on the job with Francis Leach and Sally Rugg. It's On The Job, the podcast all about making your working life better. The pod after the election before, Francis Leach here and Sally. It's me, I'm here. Happy new government day, Francis Leach. <laughs> it's only taken nearly a decade, but here we are. Yeah, it feels good. I woke up this morning feeling really hopeful. Me too. And there's so much to talk about. Let's jump straight into it. I want to know about your election day and how you sort of got through that agonising afternoon when you're probably out there, I don't know, just trying, trying to get to the count and, and you know, for it all to be revealed. How did you go? What did you do? So I woke up really early on election morning, got up at 4.30am and went out and set up a booth. I was handing out in the seat of La Trobe, which is held by a Liberal dude called Jason Wood, who I personally believe should not be in Parliament, which is why I drove out to his electorate and set up before the sun rose um, and spent the day trying to encourage a vote against him. So that was really fun. Then I came home and then I went to an election party last night. I know we spoke about this last week on the pod. Um, Great party. Wish I was at home. (laughs) (laughs) No, it was good. It was good. I was just like, you know, the TV was on playing Anthony Green and the ABC and I was sitting sort of like 20 centimetres from the TV um, (laughs) and all these wonderful People kept coming to sort of like say hello, introduce themselves, make a new friend. And I was like, my apologies, not today. (laughs) No, that's, I, I, you know, there's a lot of chatter. I was thinking about like maybe re watching the live coverage sometime this week, just reliving the moment. You know what? That's, you sound just like a sports fan who's seen their team win a grand final and you want to go back and watch the replay in the full knowledge that you know the result and then you can luxuriate in all the drama and all those uh, delectable moments that will reveal themselves in more graphic detail because you're not sort of so, uh, you know, in such high alert position of anxiety. That's exactly what I want to do. I did though, I think I might have given mixed messages when I arrived at this party because I, the night before made a platter of jelly shots in the shape of the parliament. (laughs) So I had sort of like red on one side and the coalition on the other and then a bunch of independents. Yeah, so I did have a, a House of Representatives vodka jelly shot platter. Um, which I was really proud of, actually. If folks want to see that, there's a picture of it on my Instagram and on my Twitter account. Took me ages. (laughs) (laughs) And the shots were delicious. I bet they were even more delicious as as the night wore on. What an incredible uh, day you had. Similarly for me, I've I've been here in Braddon uh, for the last week campaigning. Um, Didn't get the result here that we were looking for, but had a wonderful experience with everyone in in the northwest of Tasmania. And uh, I was out at the booth early, as you said, um, very early on Saturday, right to the very end. And, uh, you know, tired and delighted and thrilled at midnight last night to hear Anthony Albanese's speech. Let's sort of rewind back from there, Sally. It was a really heartfelt and uh, and powerful speech from someone who throughout the campaign hasn't really sort of found, maybe in the last week or two, found his rhythm on how he wants to present himself to a public that uh, doesn't know him or didn't know him. And as he pointed out last night, they certainly do now. And the contrast to the concession speech was, was very graphic, wasn't it? Mm, oh, absolutely. I mean, the concession speeches are painful at the best of times, but I think the concession speeches made on the night of the election by folks who really didn't think they were going to be making a concession speech were, I think, the most painful to watch. Josh Frydenberg's 
not quite concession, but like almost concession speech was pretty awkward and painful to watch. Morrison's concession that the coalition would not be able to form government and that he would be stepping down as Liberal leader at the next party room meeting, that's really happy news for me. However, the concession speeches are always a bit of a, they're difficult to watch. But Albo's victory speech, you're so right, Francis, like, it was so moving. And as I was watching it and watching Anthony talk about how much he loved the Labor Party, he's used that line before, like he sort of talks about his three loves, Catholic Church, South Sydney, Rabbitohs and the Australian Labor Party. That's his sort of line. I was just sort of very struck watching him really express his love for the Labor Party in a way that I don't recall seeing Labor leaders do the same. Yeah, it's interesting. I think the last person that probably did was Keating, and that's a long time ago, because both of them, in a way, you know, were basically they grew up inside the Labor Party uh, and they were they were mentored by uh, elders within the Labor Party in their various generations. And that was very evident in that speech last night, the fact that it started with an acknowledgement that the Uluru Statement from the Heart, the most poetic bit of writing that Australia has seen in a century or more is finally going to get a spot centre stage in our national conversation in contrast that to the Prime Minister's concession speech where none of that was even acknowledged was really powerful and the fact that he did talk about and I think only someone who comes from his background can understand the intergenerational barriers and the expectational barriers that are placed in front of people from the environment of a housing commission home, a single mother, that this is not a world in which they are invited to inhabit. There is no culture of expectation that you will go to university. There's no culture of expectation that you can aspire to high office. You know, the barriers aren't impossible, but they are implausible for so many people. And the fact that he has uh, endured and and got there means that it's in his bones to look after those who come from a similar circumstance. I know from personal experience what that feels like. So I was very moved moved to tears to hear him speak last night in relation to that in particular. And the fact that those values that he's talked about throughout the campaign. Sometimes he hasn't been able to find his voice to just to express exactly what is important to him. But I think now that he is in the Prime Minister's office, we will see that very much throughout his approach to politics and policy. And we will hold him accountable to that, particularly when it comes to wages, to looking after uh, those in aged care, something that you and I both care very deeply about, uh, and making sure that workers in in that in particular sector and workers in the care industry, those feminised industries, are given the respect, the protection and the sort of recompense for their services that they deserve. So I believe that he will follow through on that and it's our job, I guess, to make sure that he does. I'm excited to do that To a far more hopeful and exciting few years ahead thinking about holding an Albanese Labor government to account than a a Morrison government or indeed a Dutton government. I do have to apologise for one of my cats, Pumpkin. That's If you can hear the whales in the background, that's (laughs) Pumpkin wanting to be in the podcast too, I think. So my apologies for that. Pumpkin is always allowed and invited. (laughs) He's just got so many feelings and like, I get it, buddy. I get it. You know, we should note as well that Labor will form a government. We do not know yet whether this will be a majority Labor government, whether it will be a hung parliament. If the Labor Party are going to turn to the Greens to make a coalition government, to turn to some of the teal independents, if Labor will get across the line in their own right. So it's all still quite up in the air and it's very exciting. And what's also exciting is the Senate. 
right? I'm, I mean, I'm obsessed with the Senate. And it was really looking for a while there. Pumpkin love. <laughs> it was really looking for a while there. The Senate could go the way of, you know, electing Campbell Newman up in Queensland, uh, reinstating Erica Betts in Tasmania, um, perhaps getting another UAP or Pauline Hanson candidate up in WA or in South Australia or, you know, like could have gone either way for a minute there. But it looks at this stage, it looks like the Senate will be filled with progressive senators from progressive parties. And that's really exciting too, thinking about the legislative agenda ahead and what Anthony Albanese and the Labor government in the House could get through with the support of the Senate. It's exciting. Pumpkin is very excited, I can hear. He was uh, voting uh, with both paws to those comments. <laughs> yeah, it, it is true. And, it, you know, it, it, it will now take, um, you know, the skillful leadership of the, the Labor Senate team. And I'm a huge fan of the Labor Senate team, having worked with them. Senator Sue Lyons in Western Australia, can I just say, she will become Madam President of the, the Senate. And Sue and her team in WA delivered the election last night in the most extraordinary way. And, and knowing Sue and knowing Ann Urquhart in Tasmania, the Chief Whip, and and others within that Senate chamber, the strong, no bullshit, direct, brilliant women who are the absolute driving force. Penny, of course, you know, I'm not beginning of the Penny Wong, the driving force behind the Australian Labor Party's Senate team. They're just the best. I'm in awe of them. I love working with them. They're my people. I just love it. I've had such a great time with Anne Urquhart down here in Tasmania. She's a ripper. Um, and I, I've got every faith that they're no nonsense. Uh, intelligent. They are so, so resilient, this crew. They are unbelievable. They're my squad. I love them. <laughs> I can hear I'm that. number one fan. That. They'll be able to deliver on, on what's required. So, so that's important. Before we finish, can I just talk to you about and ask you about your feelings on a couple of things? The Teal movement was really interesting. And once again, Sally, it was no-nonsense, brilliant, intelligent women, articulate, so resilient and tough because they face some, they, you know, the shit that was thrown at was extraordinary. I mean, that's a, a sea change in Australian politics. And it, I think it's going to change the language and dynamic in Australian politics in a way that could be really seismic. I think so too. I think it's really exciting that at this point in time, we're looking at Dr. Monique Ryan getting up in Kuyong, Zoe Daniel getting up in Goldstein, Kate Cheney getting up in the seat of Curtin in Perth, Julie Bishop's old seat. Like that is a blue ribbon seat if there ever was one. Allegra Spender getting up in Wentworth and Kylie Tink getting up in North Sydney. So that's there's five Teal independents joining the crossbench and it's quite extraordinary. I think that they'll make a really fantastic addition to the parliament, whether it's a Labor majority or whether the Labor Party will work with one or two or more of the independents to gain a majority. I think that's the case because these women are so qualified and passionate and they have the backing of their communities in a way that I think the Liberal incumbents in those seats didn't, you know, that they just sort of took the the safety of their seat for granted. But also I'm excited about their contribution to the new parliament because Anthony Albanese has been really clear from in this last 24 hours, you know, e- even if the Labor Party are not necessarily needing to rely on people on the crossbench for 
the passage of legislation, for instance, that Albanese is keen to work with crossbench MPs, independent MPs, and, and indeed across the House to try and, you know, work collaboratively across the parliament and get input and buy-in, even if you can pass legislation without them. And I think that's really exciting. I think that some of the minds on the crossbench will only enrich uh, the legislative agenda. And it'll change the language of politics a bit too, which is really important because, you know, it has become lost in that machismo and that sort of uh, hairy-chested tub-thumping that is, you know, which turns people off. I don't know what your experience was at the ballot box on the weekend. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was similar to mine. The number of people who just held the sort of political discourse in contempt because it didn't speak to their needs. I mean, in Braddon, which has a lower socioeconomic profile than most seats in the country, the, the sort of level of dis- disappointment and anger Yes, but disappointment and disillusionment that they felt the politics didn't speak to them or their needs was palpable. So the other thing is, of course, you know, the thing that we talk about is jobs and and working people. And that's been at the centre of this campaign. And I guess, you know, our next phase, as we said, is to to make sure that those promises are delivered on and those challenges that whichever party, whichever minister has the responsibility for trying to implement a policy agenda, you know, that they're held to an account. The work doesn't finish, but we're up for it. You know, there's so much that this parliament hopefully will achieve and will try to achieve. And, you know, I'm really, I'm feeling really hopeful about some broad reforms and changes in the nation. But what I'm most excited about right now and from the moment that Albanese claimed victory for the Labor Party is that it means that the Murugupan family will return to Bilawila. That was promised by the Labor Party and it was promised by nearly every Teal Independent, a bunch of other parties on the crossbench, the Greens, you know, even many members of the Liberal and National Party wanted that family to return home and and Morrison and Alex Hawke and Peter Dutton held this family up as an example and punished these two Australian-born girls for no reason. Um, anyway, but I'm really excited because this family can finally, finally go home to Biloela and start rebuilding their lives with their friends and in their community. So that's one instant thing to feel happy yeah, about. Yeah, and it crystallises exactly the sort of compassion and and, and wisdom uh, that uh, we hope governs this uh, this particular government on its journey, which starts very, very soon. Sally, great to catch up. I know it's been a busy weekend. Uh, vote one pumpkin. He's uh, going straight to the top of my next ticket. I'm going to start the campaign tomorrow and um, we will catch you on the next episode of On The Job. We'll chat soon. Bye. Bye.